Hey Warriors, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. Hope you had a great week. Um, I still can't really share the the news of what God's been kind of doing quite yet. Still waiting on a couple things, but keep praying, you know, that things just keep moving forward for this church plant. Um, it's good stuff. It's nothing bad, just the situation has changed for us a little bit. But it's going to be exciting once I can share. Um, as well as... Uh, Make sure you keep people in mind who are sick. You know, the Omicron virus has been spreading a lot more. I know in my my gaming community, we have a lot of people whose you know family members are sick or you know going through the process or have the flu because you know the flu is still around and um, they've been struggling and just having a hard time. Um, otherwise, you know, I everything has been going pretty well. Um, we've been getting some good answers for my wife's health issues and. We just got to trust God for what he's doing and, you know, just, just keep praying for us that things just kind of flow together. Anyway, so this, this week, or at least today, I should say that I'm going to be talking about is, you know, I've been really thinking about churches lately and the Christian community that we live in and how it used to be, we would talk about sin on a regular basis. Um, I know in some churches, they still do. I know some churches, you know, it's not all churches struggling with the idea of being progressive, okay? Like, I want to be clear on that. But it does not mean that majority of our Christian culture has taken in, the, I would say, the Kool-Aid of progressive movement. It's it's just there. So, the, like... The idea of, of sin and talking about it to other people is probably one of the hardest things I think any of us can really go through, especially when it's someone we care about and we have a good relationship with them and talking about the idea that, you know, they may not come, they may not be going to heaven when they die, but a lot of people have kind of hid themselves behind good works. If that, you know, if, if you understand where I'm coming from, I remember growing up a lot and we would talk about, um, the difference between salvation and the world's view is that, you know, his salvation, we put our full faith in Jesus Christ for what he did and that we're sinners. Right. And the world's perspective is I got to do good works to make it to wherever it may be. Now there's those who don't believe in heaven. There's those that, that believe in like Valhalla and others believe that, that they just disappear. So the question is, is like what creates their, I guess you would say more, more moral code to live good. Some would say, well, some of us, you know, I would say the phrase, well, we are naturally good. But the truth is if we were naturally good, why do we have so many laws? Why are there so many rules? Why do we have to teach our children to be good? You see, the image of sin in itself has been kind of compromised where before, you know, if you guys know the old school evangelists when they would preach and then they talk about sin, you know, it was it was hardcore you know, people would say, you know, hell brazen type preaching. But the truth is they were concerned about people's salvation, that they wanted people to understand how 
evil sin really is, especially to God's eyes. You see, we have to redefine, or I should say, we need to define what it means to have a holy God. You know, holiness is absent of evil. And the idea of absence of evil means that no evil, no sin can be in present before the Lord. So that means you and I, if we sin once, we have now condemned ourselves to never be able to stand before the Lord or even be with the Lord. And this is why in the Jewish culture, they did sacrifices for sin the cleanse, and that's why the word cleansing means. So when when we talk about cleansing, you know, you take a shower or a bath, you put soap on us, and we clean off all the guck and the oils and the issues that we, you know, the junk that may be on our bodies to cleanse us, correct? Well, the idea of the blood shedding is the imagery of what Christ was going to do by dying on a cross and taking on our sin and his blood would cover that sin and wipe us clean cleanse us from all unrighteousness you see the the imagery is also a reality because of what christ has done but if you read in genesis you understand that when adam and eve sinned they saw themselves naked and then he they clothed themselves with you know leaves and bushes but then god took animals killed them he didn't just like magically bring you know a a fur because there had to be shedding of blood and then covered them with the clothes see the imagery has always been there when we go through scripture salvation has always been the picture through scripture so why is it that today when we talk about sin, it's almost like it's a faux pas or it's, you know, we don't want people to feel bad. Well, how is someone who is a sinner going to know that they're a sinner if we don't tell them that they're a sinner? Because then the, you get the response of, well, you know, they're, they're, they're loving and they're caring and they're kind. You know, my grandmother has never hurt a soul but the thing is, is like we keep depicting goodness as treating others right, which why, you know, going back to the two commandments that Jesus gives, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> we focus so much on the second rule more than the first rule. You see, if we were to take scripture right off the bat, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So when we're tempted by sin, God always provides a way out. We know Joseph literally ran, left his coat to get away from sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. So there's no one here on earth that is good enough to stand before the Lord and go to heaven. That means even your wonderful grandmother who took care of your parents and did all this nice stuff and um, helped the poor and you know was a sweetheart. 
if she didn't accept Jesus Christ as her savior, she is going to go to hell. You know, we've seen a lot of death lately in the, in the Hollywood world from Betty White to Bob Saget to Meatloaf in just the past month of time. And you ever wonder if they knew Jesus or not? Did that ever come across your mind? No, we've seen their lives and how they interacted in this world and, and the acting and their life story and, you know... You know, Bob Saget was Full House dad, you know, America's dad type of deal. And, you know, Betty White is most famous of actresses. Um, just missed her 100 by days. But are they in heaven? Did they know who Jesus was? Did you ever pray for these people? I know I have. You know, there's been times where God has placed in my heart on someone, you know, instead of being like, all oh, those stupid Hollywood people for their choices or, you know, man, you know, they live this life and look at them, how they how to destroy themselves. Have you ever prayed for these people? It may sound weird, but have you ever prayed for an actor or actress that you see on TV? Just some thoughts on what you think about. Um, go to Galatians 5, 19, 21. This is like famous for talking about, you know, different sins, but do we understand this? You know, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealous, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy and drunkenness, orgies, and, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, clearly, we understand that you got to know Jesus. But the fact is, if they don't know Jesus and they're living like this, they're, they're, never, they're not going to heaven. You know, we sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But do you understand that if they don't know Jesus... They have no chance because there's change when you know Jesus. But here's the question. People who know Jesus can probably do probably do half of this stuff on a daily basis. And do they ask forgiveness? Do they recognize that that's a sin? The sexual immorality is probably one of the most, I would even say, pandemic of sins that you see on a daily basis or here fact that we hear kids at age like eight and nine having sex to your teenager experimenting with sex to how about your daughter who's living with her boyfriend or son living with his girlfriend like this this and kind of gets you know put in the wayside a bit because you know hey they're good kids they both love jesus but yeah they live with each other or how about a church who hires people who are living with somebody else but not married? What kind of example is that share to not only young people but to the church and the community that we're accepting? You know, what about, I mean, I know churches who have done um, where they have, the, I think it's both men and women, but they go through, they have to... Um, be make a commitment to 
not see pornography and they get checked on it, I believe. And that's, that's an interesting way, but we're not supposed to gateway people. We're supposed to be um, accountability to them. So if someone struggles with pornography, we, we get them through a group or, you know, especially the guys, guys should be around this dude and help them, you know, walk the walk. It's accountability. Um, but it's between them and God to, to get the cleansing going. Like we can't cleanse somebody from their problems, but we can help somebody stay accountable in their problems. Now, how about like the word like hatred? You know, have you used the word hatred or hate somebody or hate this or hate? Like we use that and it's kind of lost its zeal. So even if, you know, even your kid says, Hey, I, I hate you, mom, dad, I hate you. You know, that's a sin, but do we like confront it and talk about it? Or how about being jealous or fits of rage? Like your husband getting super angry or you getting super angry as a woman um, or your kid raging out and getting upset. You know, like we go through each one of these and talk about it. You know, drunkenness, that's like a big thing in colleges. You know, that's the one thing I don't drink personally. Um, I may taste something or whatever, but the one thing that I know I've always stood by is what um, Solomon told his son is better for a king to not drink so that his mind could be clear. So when he is put in a position where he has to um, make a judgment call, his mind is clear. So, you know, for me, I'm not a drinker. I don't really care for the drink. It doesn't taste that good. And so, you know, for the most part, I avoid it. I may try something or I may have one thing to see if it tastes good or whatever. But the idea is I always wanted my mind to be clear. Uh, but how many times did, in college did you get drunk or how many about, about your kids? Like, have you confronted them about it and talked about it? See, the key thing is confronting and talking and sharing why this is wrong. One of the things growing up for me that always bothered me was when someone would ask an adult, why is this wrong? And the adult would just say, well, because I say so. You see, that's a problem. Because when you say, "I," because I say so, that's not teaching the young person why God says it's wrong, why you're saying it wrong, and why they should not do it. Because if they understand that there is consequences for action then maybe of a better understanding of what it means to not do sin and to try to seek out holiness. So we're going to stop this real quick and take a quick moment for the commercial break and we'll be right back. Hey, Warriors, and welcome back. We've been talking about sin today. Um, the next verse actually in line is actually 1 John 1, 8 through 10. says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. <clears throat> if we confess our sins, sorry, my nose is kind of bothering me today. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out a liar and his word is not in us. See, the idea is that when we start defining someone by their actions only, that, well, they're a good person, therefore they, they, they can't do no wrong. Like, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, 
like an older parent or even someone like in my age group, you know, now, like they always talk about their mother mostly how much she was a saint, how she was a wonderful woman, how, how she'd never heard a fly. And they always talk about that as if that is justification that they've never sinned. And you have to be careful with yourself because even if you went through a hardship and you yourself feel like you have never done something wrong or that bad in that sense, you know, I, I, I always obeyed my parents. Like there's no way that every single, there's a person in this world who's always obeyed their parents. Cause that's the key thing. We define good only as it's not as bad as that. So a lot of people are naturally good in people's eyes because they didn't murder somebody or they didn't steal a bunch of stuff or they don't lie all the time or they like they, they start justifying and, and belittling a sin when straight up in scripture lying is a straight up sin in God's eyes. That's why it's so very important to understand that we need to teach what sin is still especially if we're supposed to be focusing on the gospel message in today's culture we have so many in the world who have justified their sin nature as the comparison game but it's even worse when you see it in the christian culture to justify how holy someone is or how more spiritual someone is because they don't sin as bad as that guy. Well, I drink, but I don't get drunk like they do. Well, I lie once in a while because I, I try to lie to help other people. I don't lie like that person who's trying to hurt someone. You know, well, you know, the, the girl I'm with, she, she and I have agreed um, to have sex with each other. We're not hurting anybody. Well, we're living with each other because we're planning to get married, but we, we don't want to spend money on rent, extra rent. Well, you know, and, and we could just keep going on the list and the list and the list and the list and just keep going. You know, I'm not really envying, envying that person. I just wish I had it. So, like, we start twisting up what the definition of sin is because we want it to sound less evil so therefore must be good enough to not be considered you know that bad of a sin but in reality it's still a sin you can't excuse your sin because it didn't hurt somebody that's a worldly view that's getting into our christian view well as long as you don't hurt anybody because i'm following the rule you know love your neighbor as yourself Therefore, I must be good. But the problem is, like I told, you know, we talked about this not too long ago. The first part is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. God is absolutely holy. If you love God all with all your all and you're putting your all in him, then you should be seeking out holiness. And holiness means that you shouldn't allow sin to penetrate into your life and basically get a foothold in how it penetrates and how you think. This is why it's so important to make sure that you understand the scriptures and not just take things because people say, well, they're just, they're a nice person. So we don't really confront them about it, which goes right to the number one main issue that people love to talk about with this is homosexuality. 
well they're nice people they love each other don't 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 we want to encourage love doesn't jesus talk about love yes god jesus holy spirit does talk about love but love does not mean there's no judgment and it does not mean that sin is okay yeah but but these people they're so that's great we just talked about someone's grandmother as being super kind sweet and, and amazing but the question is if they don't know jesus and if they say they do but they're still living a sinful life because there is people I have met that I don't know. And I can't, since we don't know a person's soul between them and God, there's plenty of verses in, especially in James that talks about the actions. If they don't reflect the truth in scripture would make you wonder if you go and you say, I accepted Christ, but you're still a constant liar, then you have not changed. If you're going say, yeah, I accepted Jesus, but you're still sleeping around, you have not changed. You've, you've refused Jesus's capability to remove you from that sin. When you talk to people who like are really saved, amazing, especially if they had a hard life before, like if you could find someone who they spent most of their life doing absolutely everything but what the scriptures would ask them to do. And then you, and then you, they share about their testimony when they change. A lot of times you will see what I'm talking about by change. Because the change is they stopped, they stopped doing what they knew was wrong. Committed their whole life to Jesus, realizing that they are a sinner repented of that of any of those sins or a sin and have been working all their life to not go back to being that old person some of them would even say god cleansed them completely from that addiction or issue others may still battle it because they're around certain things that trigger it that desire because we're just because we're saved doesn't mean we're suddenly not sinful anymore it means that we still got to strive to be holy we've got to strive to walk in truth we got to strive to protect ourselves guard our hearts guard our minds guard our families hearts and minds you know teaching them the truth making sure they're walking in truth there's a lot of little pieces to this whole whole imagery that we forget why it's important talk about sin you know in first john 1 7 through 9 talks about walking in the light as he is in light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus son purifies us from all sin so his blood purifies us and if this is true that means that we his blood covers us and has removed that iniquity from our bodies but does not mean we cannot sin again but it means that we'll have the holy spirit to tell us hey stop doing that hey you shouldn't be doing that and now we have a choice to either ignore the spirit or the other way to really not follow jesus and have this issue of battling this in every day is not to follow jesus so we accept Christ. We have this like good field moment. It's kind of like the the honeymoon of salvation. And then when things kind of die off, 
suddenly we go right back to being how know how we lived. But now we have this conscious constantly telling us, hey, it's wrong, hey, it's wrong, hey, it's wrong, hey, it's wrong. And you're like, ah, ah. So you go to church and you sit there and you listen to the pastor speak or you go to the Sunday school class or, you, have, you know, if you're in youth group, you go to youth group. If you're, you know, uh, an older guy, you know, you're in a men's group, whatever it may be, we always go to the church function to get that feel good moment so that it makes us feel a little bit guilty enough to try to clean up for that moment and then as soon as we go back to life again we jumped right back into the way it used to be because like in verse 9 this or as it start verse 8 says if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us and it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness so walking in righteousness is walking with the understanding that scripture is telling me that A is wrong, this is how I'm supposed to act, I need to stop doing A so that way I can be righteous, chasing after holiness. Even though I know that because I accepted Christ, I am forgiven and I'll go to heaven, my life here should not be placed under this canopy of living however I want. You got to remember that, that that's not the point of accepting Christ, the Savior. It's not so that we could do whatever we want. The idea is that our responsibility, our duty is the gospel message to tell someone else because we don't want other people to be thrown into the hellfires. That is the one thing you got to get in our heads that we are the light of Christ. We are the salt of Christ. So the Holy Spirit is going to give us the capability to be able to help others understand the importance of salvation and what it means to have a savior and what it means to be a sinner and what it, what's going to cost us it's going to cost us our eternal life if we continue to follow in sin You know, in James 4, 7, he says, and so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So if you know that you may have to tell your girlfriend, you need to find a place on your own because I want to work on myself spiritually, but I still want to date you. That's a different thing. That's a possible answer. If you know you're going to marry this person, you're already engaged, but you're living in the same house, move to your parents' house. She moves to her parents' house as possible. Find a family in the church that you can stay with until you get married. I know that's uncomfortable and, and just like you don't have your own space, but to protect yourself as a Christian and to protect your future wife's you know, self as a Christian, that's how you do it. Keep yourself sanctified, righteous, you know, building on purity. Now, the idea is that, you know, even if you've been sleeping with each other and you, yes, you've had sex, you could be cleansed and, re and repent of that. It doesn't mean that you like, well, I've already failed. Therefore, I need to just, I don't, it doesn't matter anymore. No, you can start fresh, start right. It's okay to do that. And that's the one thing that people need to understand is that we are we are given the capability of forgiveness or get the redemption to change to make things right again 
even though there's scars, but we'll be able to make things right again. Because we all know what John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Because we are already condemned. God gave us Noah's Ark. He provided Jesus to come down to take on all the sin of this world so that we can follow him, so that he can save us through what he did on the cross, taking on the sin. We have to understand the importance of what Christ did on the cross. And people need to know. And sadly, people in the Christian culture need to know that they need to stop sinning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells you, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So there is a change. If you have not changed, you need to change your life. You need to start preaching the importance of what sin is so that people will stop sinning. Can you imagine seeing in our churches, young people stop sleeping with each other, stop living with each other, start keeping each other holy, move in with another, another dude and, and working on each other, keep each other accountable, keeping the woman that they hope to marry accountable to see other men in the church come to these younger men and helping them to stay accountable and walking in truth. And we imagine seeing women doing the same thing. See, there was a time where if there was someone that wanted to marry someone, they still lived either with their family or the dude, you know, had his own life, his own home, prepared his home and his life for his future bride. It was has nothing to do with man being above women. It's not that's not that the reason it was there was to protect the woman and the man's purity but also to make sure they start their marriage right in today's culture we do not have that instead we have feminism that's saying oh you're just trying to say the man's better than the woman no that's why they did that to protect the sanctity of marriage the beauty of it You don't think that they, that they struggled with wanting to have sex with each other? You don't think the guy and girls in that time ran off and hid and tried to do stuff? No, it happened. But there was accountability system at the same time. There was people who were around the younger couples helping them. And that's just one type of sin. A liar, someone who lies all the time, you confront them with their lying. You don't say it's okay. Because then you start teaching your kids to use lies to get what you need to help your family when it's not right to do. Because one of the things, like I, you know, I've mentioned this before, you know, one of the girls in the youth group said, oh yeah, I lied about my age so that I can get a discount from my family. Well, now that family's not only teaching their kid to lie, they're teaching them to steal. Well, what do you mean? Well, if she's lying about her age and getting a cheaper price for her, she's stealing from the company because that's not how old she really is. 
You see, there's this combination or web of lies that happen with lies. And it doesn't just hurt one person and starts hurting a bunch of people. And now that kid's getting taught and they're going to teach their kid, hey, it's lie as long as it helps somebody. You know, lie to do that, lie to do that. And that's okay. Help your family, lie. So now that's how the mindset is always going to be in their heads. And they're going to teach their kids and they're going to teach their kids. And that is it's a lifestyle of sin that's being taught over and over again to the next generation to next generation. Well, guess what? We've been doing that with our Christian culture. We've been excusing sin and allowing sin to linger to the point where it's become the normal instead of confronted. Because the one thing you got to understand about you and what I've, I have to understand about myself, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. That means removing sin out of our lives. That means walking in truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you bless this conversation. I ask that you, your name be glorified. I pray that we start seeing change in men today, in churches, whether they're young or old, and recognize that, hey, there is an importance of sin in people's lives that we need to confront to see holiness and righteousness and change in our Christian culture. Start seeing men walk the walk. Start seeing women walk the walk and stop excusing sin because as long as like get this out of their heads right now that as long as it doesn't hurt someone it's okay no that's not what sin means sin separates us from you lord help us to understand that and take sin seriously i pray this in jesus name amen thank you guys and i hope you guys have a great week and i will talk to you guys next next time god bless